Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Anthony Rossi. In this, our third year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Welcome back to Strength to Be Human. I'm your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet and playwright. This is going to be episode 209, Mailbag 8, Writing as Personal. Probably should have called it Writing is Personal, but we'll talk about that as well. Sorry for the delay. I I normally record a little earlier, but we had a lot of issues over here. I live in the path of uh, the tropical storm. It spun off a tornado, hit the town next to me. Just a lot of uh, a lot of mess, a lot of traffic, a lot of stuff that they clean up. Even if you don't get hit with it, all the stuff still gets blown over your area. I had all kinds of stuff around my house to get picked up. Thankfully, nobody got hurt over here. Only three people got hurt it over there. Nobody died. Just some property damage. Can always repair that. So I'm happy about that. But it definitely put a little crimp in my style. Not to mention the Fourth of July weekend and all the fireworks, which is a little difficult to launch when it's raining 24 hours a day. So. It's been an unusual couple of days. All right, let's get to this now. Now, I'm going to be sort of like combining this with the traditional mailbag where we actually uh, read uh, the emails, questions from people that normally have a specific uh, episode in mind when they're asking that. But I'm also going to mix it with some people who have some general questions or even some gripes just to sort of put it all together and allow us to have a a fun and, and, and decent show. Okay? All right, let's go here. Okay, here we go. All right. All right, as you know, uh, unless somebody really is, is, is putting down something that's hateful or bigoted, I mean, even if they're being negative, uh, I still like to give everybody a, a chance to be heard on the, on the show. You know, because quite frankly, they have to listen to the show to even have an, a specific gripe. So at least you got to give them that respect. All right, first one over here. I wish you stay in the literary lane and leave the Kurds to Turkey to handle. Uh, apparently, and I can't, I can't honestly tell you exactly what episode I might have digressed because, you know, sometimes I might digress into something because it's relevant uh, to the uh, particular subject at hand that I'm doing or maybe sometimes it's just a, a digression that happens. Hey, I'm human. And I don't always do all of this with notes. Sometimes I just do it with a with an outline that I write and that's it. Everything else I fill in from things I know. Okay. Or in this case, things I read from the, from the emails. So I don't know what episode they're talking about, but I'm sure I said something about that because, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not happy with a, with a country, Turkey, that literally wants to eradicate an entire racial group. Okay, I, I know the Turkish might have a different word for that, but uh, everywhere else in the world, we call that genocide. Okay, and so I've always been a Kurdish supporter, not the communist ones, just the ones that simply want to have their own place to live and don't want to be killed by Turkish soldiers and want to be able to speak their own language and have their own culture. So I'm certainly supportive of those positive aspects. Definitely not supportive of people trying to wipe out another another group. We got too much of that in history, and I'm sorry to say even in this part of the 21st century, we still got people wanting to do that. And they just, I don't know, they don't learn from history or they just don't care. So um, that's really the answer to that question, okay? It, it's going to happen. You don't like that. That's fine. You could skip that over and listen to the rest of the show or 
you can get mad at me and go listen to somebody else. I mean, that's the only options you have. But I'm not going to change my mind on things that I firmly believe in. Okay? It's still a literary show. It's not a political show. But, you know, you're going to have some social things and maybe even a couple of political things that's going to creep in there now and then. Hey, that's life and I'm human. That's why we need to be strength to be human. That's why this show is called that. All right? All right, another one. And this is definitely one I prefer hearing. <laughs> Uh, because it, it needs a further explanation. I would like to hear more international writing guests being interviewed on your show. Hey, well, so, so would I, okay? But thank you for the question. I, I think I mentioned this in the past, but I'll, I'll go into it a little bit more, all right? The show's format for the interview segment of, this, of these uh, uh, episodes is strictly ad hoc spontaneous all right i i don't do canned questions i'm not feeding anybody anything uh we don't play games nothing's artificial this is all real i i it's the only way i prefer to do this it's really no different than than when i did my uh journal when i first started five years ago aerial chart it's been five years as of last month okay where time really flies where i said you know, Mark, if I'm going to devote... Yeah, I, I talk to myself that way. If I'm going to devote my time, my writing time even, and hey, sometimes even, you know, occasionally family time to do something like this, it's got to be things that I truly believe in. It's got to be things that I want to do. It's got to be doing something different that other people haven't done before. Otherwise, what's the point? to doing the same thing as somebody else does. Then that really is arrogance. I'm doing it better than you. No, I get to always say the same thing I always say. I'm doing it different than you. You guys can determine whether it's better or not. Maybe it compliments another show. I don't know. I'm not really interested in that kind of argument. But that's what I prefer to do. So it's really no different with the interviews, folks. I'm sorry to say English is the only real language I have in command. And according to my wife, I don't even always have that in command. <laughs> okay? That's, that, that's marriage for 20 years. But in a, in a nutshell, you can't really have a show like I do with the interview segment where you're pretty much telling somebody, yeah, just go and talk about your life and your story, your writing and things you're doing. Uh, occasionally I might, you know, uh, uh, you know, peep in with a question or maybe to clarify something. But other than that, it's really like I'm more of a listener and, and you're getting most of this time to tell your side of things. This is my writing. This is my life. This is what I'm trying to do, etc., etc. That's what I want it to be. I don't want it to be a 60-minute show and, and like, you know... 50 minutes is me and 10 minutes is for the guest. Again, what would be the point of that? Why even have a guest then? So the only way to really maximize the time on the interviews is to let the people talk. Let them do what they got to do. As long as they're not saying anything crazy and I always talk to people and make sure, you know, please don't curse and, you know, don't don't, don't engage in anything that's, uh, you know, extremely controversial, you know. Other than that, you know, let, let's, let's do what we got to do. That's harder to do with somebody where English is the second or the third language. It, it is, because their English, you could talk to them on the phone or, and talk to them in person. It's a conversational sort. You're going to understand what's going on. It's not the same thing as being on a show here where you're asking somebody literally to talk for like maybe 40, 45 minutes straight. Occasional, you know, me interrupting, but that's it. That's a lot to be doing if you don't have a full command of the language. So I, I don't think... It's a good idea to try to do that. I think it, it'll it'll flop that kind of an episode, and, and I don't want to have to be intervening too much because that's not the whole point of the show. So that's the rule I have. That's the feeling I have about it, and this is the way I prefer to go about it. I just think that 
for those that hear, it's it's an honest and authentic interview. It's not some made-up things. I'm sorry to say we have too much of that stuff in the media today. The media, half the stuff is made up by people just with their own opinion. They're not even reporting the news anymore. And then you got reality shows, half that stuff is scripted. I mean, we got too much stuff that's artificial and that's fake, that's not honest. I don't know about you, but I am tired of that. I actually, as I've gotten older, I watch less and less of things because it's like, I can tell, I can tell when something's fake. I'm like, why am I wasting my time on this, you know? I'm 56 years old. I don't know if I got another 30 years or maybe I got another two years. I'm in good health, thank God, but I don't know. What I do know is, without the sound grim, I don't want to waste the time I have, you know, on, on dumb things that don't make any sense. And I don't want to waste things on things that have been done before. Don't want to do that. I like to try to do something new. I like to try to do something at least that's honest. So that's that's really the long answer in a nutshell for that. But hey, that's why. I got nothing against international people. We've had a number of people on the show already. We had somebody from Australia. We had some, a couple of people from England. We had a, a few from Canada. So, I mean, um, I'm doing whatever I can. I'm working with somebody to try to get somebody from India. Uh, he happens to be an Indian. That uh, The English is, uh, he's very well versed in it, even though it's his second one. He uses it fluently in business. So, therefore, he can hold a very long show. You know, because I talked to him on the phone. So, that, that really helps. And, you know, I'm sure I'll have other countries that can pipe in. You know, I'm also dealing with people's schedules. I'm dealing with people's lives as well as my own. And we're dealing with time zones. You know, I'm on the East Coast over here on, on the coastal Georgia, folks. But uh, to do an interview with somebody in India from his part of India, it's 11.5 hours ahead of where I'm at. So, I mean, you're talking about having to wake up at a certain time. Hopefully they're already. It's just... It's a, it's a big chore. I'm very happy to do it because I think it's important. But I don't take it for granted. And I ask folks uh, you know, to be patient. We got one coming up this month, thank God. And I'm excited. All right? All right. Like I mentioned before on these, uh, on these writing shows, I, I like to give the theme, especially if it looks like some of the questions are going that way or if some of the questions are going that way because it happens to be some of the episodes that are going that way. You'll probably remember in June, you know, I had a, like a trio of shows, you know, where it, it was uh, much more in-depth on the, on the personal level, and a lot of those questions were, were, were lined towards that, okay? All right, so the first one over here, and like I mentioned before, I try my best to paraphrase whenever they have an issue with writing uh, the, the question, because you got a lot of people now internationally writing and things. And then, of course, um, I try to pair it with what I believe you know, is the episode in question. Sometimes they make mention of that. Other times I have to make a guess and them hope I'm right. If I don't, I'll just tell you I'm not right and I'm just guessing. <laughs> All right. This one definitely is from episode 201. Doubt dies of a thirst in a rainstorm. I like some of these poetic long titles. It's fun and it really uh, it really helps... Uh, I, I think bring a little liveliness to it all, and, and, and actually it scans really well on the internet because, you know, uh, the, the internet doesn't know if that's a short story or poem or if it's a podcast, you know, so you, you get more people that say, what's this? Oh, yeah, let me check that out. So it, it helps bring a lot of stray people in that, you know, I would have missed otherwise. All right, I really needed this show to push me further in writing and help me beat doubt. Thank you. That That's really... What a show that is about. When I do a show like that, and I don't know, I might have mentioned this before. If I haven't mentioned this before, some of these shows, as much 
is it's about the content and the topic and for me to help a person go through something so they can become a better writer or put themselves in, in order better so that they can become a better writer. Sometimes it's it's an autographical situation. Sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm projecting. And I'll tell you right now, it's not like a secret or anything. You know, I, I'm like anybody else. I'm human. I'm a writer as well. Uh, I'm going to have my doubts. I'm going to have my fears. I'm going to have, you know, all kinds of issues with, with faith. And, and that's why sometimes these shows are out there. Not only for you, but sometimes they help me even. They help me to remember where, where I want to go and what I want to do. And they, and they help me re- remember... You know, when I have one of those days where it's like, oh, man. You ever have one of those days where you could read the most enjoyable thing on the planet and you still get nothing from it because you're just so, ugh, you know? You, you feel like you're knocked down. Or you feel like you're a bit depressed or you feel like you're, you're kind of blocked, you know? It might not always be writer's block. It just could be what I used to call a c- emotional constipation. I know. Potty humor, it really helps sometimes. And I, I like that because it makes sense to me. That for a momentarily uh, time, you, you, you're you blocked in, in some kind of emotional kind of way. You're going to have those days. We're going to have those moments. And just because we're humans doesn't mean we just jump back in some notes and a few things we thought about the other day and now we're getting some smooth flow on something. No. When you have a traumatically difficult day or a couple of days or whatever, an event happens in your life, it, 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 it sort of like scores you for a moment there. It definitely... Uh, uh, create something different in you that you now have to struggle to get through or get around or, or dispense out of your system or whatever, when I call it. So we're going to have those doubts because those things, they make us doubt. Because oftentimes, we take writing for granted. Not just the writing that we read from other people, but even our own, you know? Wow, I had a real good flow over here i got about a couple of poems solid over here i got a good fiction piece don't i'm doing this i'm doing that blah 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 you know and then suddenly you're, you're like Bleh. you know what i mean it's like you ran out of gas you know you ever have that with a lawnmower everything seems so powerful and strong and you're doing stuff and then it goes and it's dead <laughs> just like that because we take it for granted and we should need we need to learn not to do that because I'm not saying when you got things that are flowing the right way, you need to stay up 24 hours and just go, you know, hog wild on everything. Oh, before it leaves me, let me just try to get it. It doesn't really work that way. But when it is working, yeah, you want to do whatever you can to try to stay with it. Because you don't know when something or someone turns off the faucet, so to speak. And then you don't have that that vibe anymore. You don't have that mojo, like they say in, in the Southwest anymore. You know, your energy is low, <laughs> you know, and you got to get yourself back up. So that's why we don't want to take it for granted, because it's not always going to be smooth sailing. And it's not always going to be a struggle either. But it's important for us to be able to tell the difference. All right. Next one here. And this one, they, they wrote it in there. And thank you. Okay. It's also another one that asks a question about doubt dies of thirst in a rainstorm. I love your shows and I really appreciate you shining a spotlight on a lot of subjects that other shows don't talk about. Sometimes even writers don't want to talk about that. I don't know if they believe that they're being jinxed or not, but can you give me some more concrete examples on how to get rid of doubt or how to get around doubt? I don't believe in the show 
you gave us too many. Okay. So it's a, a sort of a mixed bag question, and, and I'm happy with it, though, because it's an honest question. I'll tell you this, and I mentioned this before, and I'll mention it now as we go through uh, your question. There are things that we can do to help us with doubt. But you have to understand, doubt is part of the human condition. So uh, I'm sorry to say that, um, and I don't mean this in any funny kind of way, but um, the day you stop doubting, that's probably the day you're dying. Okay, That's the day you're dead, because we're human. We're going to be doubting all the time. Not every minute of the day, not every, every week, not even periodically. But over the course of your life, you're going to have a lot of doubts about all kinds of things, including writing. All right, and... Um, some of the examples I mentioned before, or, or I know they sound weird and they might even sound ad hoc, but they work for me. Maybe they'll work for you. I'm not for sure if they'll work for you, but they work for me. I like to go running. Not only is it good for my health, I feel it, it, it clears my head. In many ways, it's almost like that reboot on the computer. You know, it feels, I feel like it resets me. I come back from a run, I can guarantee you I'm not thinking about, oh, that garbage is so smelly and I got to wheel it to the front. Or, oh, my wife is upset because I didn't paint the garage like I said I was going to do. Or, oh, the kids are mad because it rained and we couldn't play baseball. Or, oh, I got this poem I really think is fabulous, but every time I do a draft, it sucks. You come back and you're just like, ugh. You're, you're blanked out. And that's what you need to be sometimes. Whether it's through prayer or meditation or running or, or maybe just reading a book and stop writing for a while. Believe it or not, some of the best ways to stop doubt or even to stop writer's block is just to stop writing for a little while and go read something. Or go listen to a couple of songs. I'm always amazed when I hear people say, I love so much music, I wish I had time. Really? You always have time. Just do it in conjunction with something else. I listen to music when I go run. Oftentimes when I'm editing... Especially when I'm editing things on the, on the journal or maybe even some of my nonfiction work, I don't have to be as creatively focused. So I can listen to some music while I'm doing that because really it's about spelling issues and, and grammar and, you know, and, and factual things that I'm looking for. I don't have to worry about being in, in some quietude someplace. So I can listen to some music. It may not be some heavy drums and everybody's screaming or something. Maybe just something like, you know, Vangelis or. Anya or something like that. But hey, a nice instrumental piece, great. You can do things like that. Go to the editing. Go to your notes. Go to things that don't require you to get creative and write something. Because believe it or not, writing is different than most things in life. When you fall off the horse, you shouldn't pull back. You should go right back on that damn horse because that's the only way you can conquer your fear and literally say to the horse, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go do this, okay? And that's how you get over that. Writing's different. You can't go headlong into something when you're having issues. You actually have to pull back. Pull back and do something different. Pull back to help you reset. And that's what we talked about. Running, jogging. Uh, some people do yoga. I don't do yoga. God bless you if you do. But I'm an old guy and um, I don't want to stretch too many things, okay? Please. All right? And... Um, I listen to some music, I go do some editing, go, go read another book of somebody else's, you know, watch the fish tank for a little while. If you got one, play with your cat, play with your kids, watch a, a mindless TV show, because unfortunately, most of them on these days are all mindless. Those things will help you. They help you erase the doubts. 
And the reason why they help you erase the doubt is because your body tension gets lower as well as your blood pressure. Once that does, you feel your mind is a little bit more relaxed. And at that point then, if you want, or you just maybe want to wait for the next day or the next day after that, you can start resuming doing that writing. That's really it. I, I'm sorry to say, and I'm not accusing you, um, the emailer, of wanting a perfect solution or wanting a perfect formula. But unfortunately, lots of people are asking for that when they're really asking for that. If you're not, forgive me. If you are, I'm telling you there is no such thing. We're humans. We're all going to do different things and have different paths to get where we need to go. That's why we're different cultures and we have different religions and different beliefs. It doesn't mean any one of those things are, are, are more right or more wrong than the next. What it does mean is that we're approaching life differently. So who's to say that you know, the, the way the Indian plays poker is different than the American? It's all about what you're trying to read and what you're trying to understand and maybe even some of your experience, maybe even some cultural things you bring into the game or you bring into the writing, see? So you might have to, if none of those things I just said to you work, you might have to just find your own way through that. But I can tell you one thing, you don't want it to fester long. That you don't want to do. That's probably similar to the horse situation where you got to encourage somebody to get right back on as soon as possible. Um, you don't want to make the doubt go long because the longer it goes, the more you're going to have an issue. The harder it is that then you know to, to get it resolved. But it's going to be there. And it's best that you find out within yourself what's going to work for you. I gave you some ideas. You might be able to find some of your own. You need to know that because guess what? In many other ways, when you do find that, it becomes like your own little personal formula. It's not perfect. But when you get that doubt, you're like, I'm going to go do what I did last time. That worked. Let me go try that. You're going to find more times than not, it works. Many of the things I just shared with you are things I do. They're not stuff off the top of my head. I'm not trying to feel air for a, for a podcast. I'm not just blowing hot air for you because I like listening to my voice. No. These are things I actually do. And guess what? Sometimes one or two of them don't work in that instance and I have to go do something else. But I've always found in the array of things I told you, one of them works. Most of the times running works, but sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes the day or, or, or the situation is just too rough and it's not going to work. I go do, and do something else. But it always works. I always get back to it, okay? Hopefully that will help you. All right, next. Uh, and thank you for asking this because I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. Otherwise, I'm like, what? Uh, this is from episode 203, Writing Can Be Eternal. All right, and the person is telling me, my favorite show, they're saying this is my favorite show, from the pyramids to Jupiter, writing is truly eternal. You are doing what most will not. Give hope to writers. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. A wonderful compliment. <laughs> I like the whole uh, from pyramids to Jupiter. That's kind of fun. That's sort of what I was thinking about on the show. I wanted to put together a show with that one, Writing Can Be Eternal, that wasn't... Uh, Deeply personal, like doubt or fear or faith, okay? And I wanted to put a show that together that wasn't structural. You know, how to be a writer in the 21st century, how to compose a poem. You know, the, those structural things that they're still important for a show, but they don't really have the heart of understanding what's going on in the big view of writing. I say, well, hey, let me do a show about sort of like the history of writing. But I didn't want to call it that because it's like, People expect too much or I'll be there three hours or something. And, you know, that's a little too much. 
So I just wanted to start from the various paper and the various instruments we use for writing. From the papyrus, when people are literally chewing up a plant on the side of the Nile, spitting it out, smashing it with a hammer, waiting for it to dry, and then write on it. That becomes papyrus. All the way to what we're doing right now with, uh, with laser printers and, uh, and, and digital equipment and iPhones and tablets and, you know, all of that. I mentioned, and I think I mentioned on the show, and I'll mention it again, although, that even though there is a tangential effect to your writing and to the writer with some of the new technology, it's really minimal. Technology and even the way you write with instruments don't really change what you're writing very much. It doesn't really change much. If you look at the writing from 5,000 years ago to 5 minutes ago, I mean, people are, are writing a lot of the same things that, that human beings are concerned about, you know? Is there a God? Is he listening to me? Can I feed my family? What do I do when I'm sorrowful? Uh, who, who do I turn to when, when I don't have anybody to talk to? Why did this, this girl uh, shun me? Why did this woman walk away from me? Why did this, this man hit me? You know, etc., etc. You're going to see some variations on the themes. So uh, whether the person, meaning the writer, uh, wrote on, on papyrus 5,000 years ago or, or they wrote on a stone tablet like the Sumerians did, you know, 6,000 years ago or, or someone's typing up on a computer and then go print it out later five minutes ago, you're going to find some of the same things in there because we're humans and a lot of things don't change about humanity. The instruments change. Yeah, and, and our languages might change, and our cultures might change, and our geographical positions might change. Certainly the technology changes, but there's a lot about what people want and wish and, and dream for. A lot of that doesn't really change. You know, and if you ever notice writing from a long time ago, you can even read the Bible. You could be somebody who don't believe in God and read the Bible and notice that, you know, people have some interesting things to say that don't necessarily have anything to do with God. They're talking about a lot of daily life and even some historical things. So you can see that it's a pretty common thing. So that's why I wanted to get something like that in there, just to show the just the, the wide the wideness of it all. And I like the idea of somebody one day, you know, reading a, reading a poem uh, on on a moon in Jupiter because we landed there. You know what I mean? Or reading the the Holy Quran or, or the Holy Bible or something. On on a, on a distant planet, just to show that um, you know we still have some respect for our past, and that we still believe that our words can have an impact. And that's really what I wanted to do in that that show. That writing can literally be eternal, and I didn't want people to lose hope. You know, thinking that um, what they had to put down didn't have any merit. I mentioned this on another show, and I'll mention it on this now before we move on to the next question. The reason why writing can be eternal, it's really really simple. Because we know, as people, even when we're not writers, that the things that people say that they've written down does have impact on people. Because, you know, if it didn't, you know, you you wouldn't have uh, somebody like a Hitler... Or a Stalin trying to round up people because they were saying things that were against what they believed, against the rounding up and murdering people, and against the racism, and against the wars, and all that stuff. 
You know, why do they do that? I mean, if you if your system, let's say Nazism or, or communism, okay, if your system was so great, why do you need to lock up the poet? Why do you need to murder the playwright? Hmm? Why do you need to torture the person that wrote an essay? Huh? I thought you were all powerful. I thought your system was all great. That ought to tell you right there. I remember my father telling me a long time ago. I never really understood what he meant until I got older. But he always said that you can't dispense learning something from the bad or from the evil. He goes, you're not going to learn just everything from the good. Oftentimes you'll learn something from the bad and from the evil too. I never quite understood that. But when I became an adult, I saw more life. I got to travel. I got to talk to more people. I did more writing. I understand that. And really what it means is that you can't learn all the life's lessons just by acting good or watching people be good. Sometimes you're going to learn lessons because people have done something to you and you learn a lesson from that. You hope that people don't learn the bad lesson of walling themselves up. I don't want to get hurt again, so I'm going to live behind a wall. That's not really learning, though. That's just fear. But some people, that's how they react. Other people are like, no, I'm going to do something different so that I can prevent being hurt next time. Whether that's learning to, to do karate in self-defense as a woman so that you wouldn't be you know, raped or somebody trying to accost you. You can, you can protect yourself. You know, or, or, or whether that's simply... Uh, somebody that's learned how to do something better in business. Maybe they've learned how to present themselves better by speaking or sitting up straight or writing a correct resume so they can succeed in the interview. Because, you know, you go in there sloppy and silly, you're not going to get the job. That's what about learning things is. And that's a tough experience when, you, when something doesn't happen because you have to examine it. And that's what he's talking about. The bad can teach us something too. It doesn't mean you have to go do bad to learn a lesson. I mean, the lessons that you learned from somebody doing bad against you or just an incident that was bad. You learned something. And that's really what I want people to, to sort of get from the, from the show like that, is that writing matters. Writing has impact. Words can move people. Words can be dangerous. Words can make dictators come after you. It's happening right now in other countries still. Hell, even in America sometimes. Right now, if... If, if you question the, you know, the, the, the elections or if you question if the, if, the, if the vaccines for COVID, you know, have been fully tested or, or, or if they're still unsafe or something, suddenly you're a bad person. Suddenly they want to censor you. They want to cancel you. They want you to shut up. I'm supposed to be in a free society. Why can't I talk about these things? Now I'm using these as examples, okay? Because I don't really have the same qualms that other people have about some of these issues. Uh, not not all of them, but you know probably a few of them. But nevertheless, I, I don't understand why I'm, I need to shut up now. Really? Now everything's been said on the subject? Uh, no, it hasn't. But words matter. Words have meaning. And unfortunately, if you start living in society where you have a media trying to tell you what to do rather than simply just give you the news, or if you got politicians that you know they want to know more about your life every other day. You know, or if you got situations where it just looks like they're manipulating events uh, for their own power, well, th that's a real concern because the things you talk about, saying, hey, you need to stop that, you, you're hurting what we're trying to do here in, in, in our country, whether that's America or elsewhere, you know, you're going you're gonna to attract attention. People are going to be like, hey, it's going to happen. 
I'm not saying this to scare you, but I am saying it that as a writer, you still need to stick up for what you know is right and what you believe is true. With the understanding that, you know, you might pay a price sometimes. That's just the way it is. But we need to be writers. We're not politicians. We're not the next door to a neighbor constantly talking nonsense. I literally told my neighbor one time, because I was literally that just that annoyed. I, mean, I was having a bad day as it is. I'm like, you realize that there's more to talk about than the grass, than the sports, and then the weather, okay? I know you might not think that there's anything controversial in these. That's what you need to approach me on. But I don't know. How about you just be honest? You, you can't say something on, that's on your heart one of these days. Maybe something that's on your mind, you know? Something useful and constructive. Hey, Mark, did this plumber ever screw you like he just did me last week? You know what, a better one? I don't know. I'd love to have a conversation about that. Instead of just fake people walking outside talking fake. Writers need to be able to break through that nonsense. We need to be able to talk about something different. Because if not, we're going to become just as fake as these folks are. And then your writing won't be writing anymore. It'll just be propaganda. Put it up against a newspaper from, from yesterday. You'll, you'll, you'll notice it's pretty close. Okay? All right. This one, and it's really a, a, a topic that, that has always been on my mind, faith. All right? And this one, thankfully, they, they mentioned um, what show they're referring to. This is from 202, Faith Sees Without Eyesight. I loved it. I love the title. But I knew, and here's the joke here, I knew right away when I wrote that title, Oh, man, people are going to think this is religious. They're probably going to say, oh, my God, Mark's going to talk about God, you know, because uh, God forbid. You know, I live in the 21st century, and I got people that they don't even want you to talk about God. Yeah, okay. Let me talk about grass and sports and the weather, okay? No, that's not happening. But it's not a show about God. It's a literary show. But it's going to happen now and then. Oh, well. But I knew that people were going to say this. And, and I had a couple questions that went along that line, so I'm really not surprised. Okay, here we go. At first, I thought this was a religious broadcast <laughs> based on the title, but I was hooked on your thought about having faith while in a digital world. Thank you very much, and I'm, I'm glad you stuck with that and didn't just turn me off, you know? Because I'd have something to say about that if we talked again. I'd say, hey, come on now. Okay? You know, we, we got people here that want to smoke pot, and they want to take uh, untested vaccines, and, and they want to talk about uh, political things that in many ways could seem quite obscene, but I'm the bad guy if I want to talk about God. God is controversial. So that's maybe another show or another time, but, you know, it, it's really disconcerting. So thank you for that. Faith is extremely important. And what I mean by that, more than anything else is, and, and I, I, have, I have some religious listeners. I even have some religious friends. I don't mind telling you that. It's not some secret, okay? They're, when they hear me say this, they're probably going to get mad. Maybe not even listen to the show. Probably call me a name or something. It happens. Oh, well, okay? But guess what? You don't have to believe in God. You don't have to practice religion. Don't even have to step inside a church, and you can have faith. Because faith is all about a combination of believing that you can do something or that something well is going to happen to you because you put certain things in motion with a combination of, of, of just hoping. It's not an arrogance. It's simply a, a hope 
and it's a hope because you've done something. It's no really different than somebody that's practicing for three and a half years to run so they can go into the Olympics and finally make it. You know? We're not calling that person arrogant. Well, why do you believe you're going to even make the Olympics? Well, I don't know. Um, I've controlled my diet. I've been exercising and running for like three and a half years. So I think I'm ready to give this a shot. Yeah, that sounds like a good answer to me, buddy. I love it. But guess what? Even though that person has done all of that stuff, the event hasn't happened. They haven't made the pretrial. They haven't actually made the Olympics. They're talking in faith, okay? Some people want to av- literally avoid the word. I had somebody ask me, why you got to even use the word faith? Can you just say confidence? Well, confidence is not really the same thing. It's actually different, and we'll talk about that if he needs it. I'm not, I don't mind breaking out a dictionary for you. So faith, more than anything else, is vital for a writer. You can't operate as a writer and go forward without faith. It's simply not possible. And the reason why I say that is because our family tests us. Our our marriage tests us. Our children test us. The world tests us. Our health tests us. You know, maybe if you believe in the spirit world, maybe the spirits could be testing you, okay? All of these things happen to us, whether you like them or not, whether you believe them or not. And still, you have to pick up a pen and a paper, or you got to get your fingers over on the typewriter or the keyboard or something to start doing something from scratch that wasn't there before and now it's there. No, it's not a miracle. It's because you believed because you had faith. We can't be writers without it. That's why when somebody has a writer's block or somebody has an issue struggling through something, why do you think they're doing that? Because for them, on a temporary basis, that is their moment. It's a crisis in, in faith. That's what it is. All right? Now, those religious people get mad. Why? You said you don't have to believe in God. Why? You said you don't have to go to church. Yeah, I did say that. Because this is a literary show. And faith is important. Now, if somebody wants to take that faith and go another direction with it and do something like, you know, in the spiritual world or something, that's fine. But I'm talking about the faith you need to have in yourself, which is bitterly different than having faith in your abilities or just faith in other writers. These are all different things, but we need to have it. Without that, we're going to be lost. And this is why I said faith needs. Faith sees without eyesight. You don't need to see with your eyes. In fact, you don't even need to see with your mind. It's all about emotionally how you feel. What the things you put into motion. The strength you might get from other people's writing. Sometimes the strength you get from other people. Sometimes the strength you get just from your own meditation and yoga and prayer. Hey, sometimes it's the strength. I've done this before. I might sound weird, but sometimes you go back and read something that you wrote like a year ago or two ago. Man. That was really good. Where did I get that from? But that still helps you. It still helps reignite your faith. Even if it's a small way. Because you're like, if I did that before, why can I not do it again? Well, here's why. Because you're not believing. You stop believing for a little moment. When you stop doing that, you lose your faith. Then you're going to lose your writing appeal. You can do a bunch of typing on the computer, but you're not a writer. You're a typer. Okay? 
You know that half that stuff's going to be in the garbage. The other half you could probably use it for toilet paper when you go camping in the forest. It's not going to be useful. Why? Because it's the element of faith that brings it all together. And that's why I want to put the show out together to remind us all. Because I got those same things that everybody else has. Okay? I get a lot of private questions all the time. The ones I don't put on the show. Mark, I can't believe you did this many shows and this many poems and this many things and blah, blah, blah. How do you keep doing this and blah, blah, blah? Well, I write as much as I write because when I feel that I'm in the zone, so to speak, I like to get a lot of stuff done. I put a lot of notes together like I preach to you people all the time. So this way, when I'm ready to do something, I can put some things together. Later on, it's all about editing and proofreading, and then I can fix it and, and, and do a couple drafts and then put it out there. That's how I do it. That's how I do so much. And I do so much because I'm going to have those days. I'm going to have those times. Yeah, I'm going to have those moments where even I have a problem. It's just going to happen. And I have to deal with it. And I, I like to be able to get the work out while I still do that. I mentioned this as a, as a joke to somebody the other day, but it's truly uh, my own foundation of all of my writing, is I write 36 years now because I believe. That's it. Simply that. That's the only reason. If I ever stop believing on a long-term basis, then I will stop writing because I'm not going to hit my head against the wall. All right, I'm not going to go to, to a seance or, or somebody's crystal ball to help me find my my uh, my uh, my past life or something. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Okay, if it doesn't work out anymore, then it doesn't work out anymore. Until then, I still believe, and therefore, I still write. I don't want to make this a hallmark card. I'm certainly not trying to make it a joke. I'm I'm being as serious as I can possibly be with you on entertainment slash literary podcast. All right, but. That's really the nutshell for me. That's what I am all about. I'm not suggesting that you need to be all about that, but I am telling you directly that faith is an element that you have to take more more seriously. And understand when it's there and when it's not there. Okay? And there's ways to help you can find it and you can listen to that show or we can have another one about that. Okay? All right, next. <laughs> another 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 one of these questions. You know, for a moment you fooled me. I thought this was going to be a show about about God. And I was like, oh, what is this guy doing now? But I was pleasantly surprised to learn that this is a, a show that is really about confidence and, and, and boosting your own self-esteem. Thank you. Yes. And, and yes, I don't use the, the self-esteem and the confidence thing in two reasons. I don't like the self-esteem thing because I think it's used too many times right now. Most of the times in the political or even the cultural way. You need to raise your self-esteem and then you can date somebody of a higher caliber. And then after that, you might be able to marry somebody that's perfect for you. Really? All from raising your self-esteem, you now have a perfect formula to be a happy person for the next 65 years. It's, it's a little corny and, and, and a little thin. Okay? So I'm, I don't take the self-esteem, self-esteem thing much seriously at all. To me, it's a lot of that new age pop psychology junk. It's not doing anything for you. And I tell you, when you use words in the wrong way, I, 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 I tell people then you're being political. You use, it's being propaganda. It's dumb. You know, like the words like empowerment and these silly words that don't really mean anything. They're just dumb words that people use to try to sound intelligent, try to give you some, some hope 
But guess what? It's not a good idea to give people false hope. So I stay away from that kind of junk. I don't like confidence either. Because to me, it's not strong enough of a word. It's not a bad word, but it's not strong enough the word when we're talking about faith. You know? It doesn't mean anything. Because I know a lot of people that can be confident to write something in a nonfiction manner. They can write it as a journalist. They can write it as an article. And they can be confident in their abilities because they're doing something in a structured type of way. They got a certain style to themselves. In many instances, if you read a number of articles, you can even see a certain theme or a certain formula to their writing. And I'm not saying this to put light to anybody. I'm not making fun of anybody. God bless them that they do that. But that's different than the kind of creative writing that I often talk about on this show. Where you need to have faith. Because you're doing more than telling somebody this is how they fix their sink. Or this is how to straighten out a a part on your car. Or or this is how to walk your dog correctly. Or this is how to keep your cat from throwing up on the rug. Okay? You need faith because when you're writing something literary, you're digging down deep. That's what you have to do. And that's not easy. Because guess what? When you're digging yourself, that person that you are, it's just like going into attic that you haven't been up there for five years. And you go up there and go, what in the hell happened in here? This looked like an explosion. You thought you were going to go up there and find some like old antique your grandmother left you. Or you thought you were going to go find that golf club you've lost now for five years. And you go up there and you're finding a lot of bugs, a lot of dust, a lot of uh, uh, styrofoam and and, and insulation. And and, and you're finding a lot of heat and you got one little small light and lucky you can barely see. You're hoping you're not falling through the damn floor so you can smash down and and now cause $2,000 in damage. That's what happens when you're digging yourself. You're going to find some useful things that you can use. You're also going to find a lot of crap that you you put away because you didn't want to deal with it for five years. You're going to find a lot of crap that you haven't even resolved. Some of that will help propel you in faith in your writing. Sometimes it might even deepen your issue. And then you got to try to find some way to resolve that. You brought something up. But that's going to make you stronger in the end. And it's going to make your writing that much more keen, that much more focused. That's why, again, I use faith because you need that. It helps you make you stronger when you go to places that it might not be so comfortable. It might not be so bright, you know. I mean, if you got to go into a dark alley, you know, bring a flashlight. Okay. I mean, it's some of these things are common sense ago. Okay. People just forget that when they think of writing, especially creative writing and literary writing, you know, they, they think they're just supposed to have, have read, you know, everything that Shakespeare has ever written and wrote all the notes down from their professor for the last four years. Uh, no. Creative writing, <laughs> literary writing, is more about you than it's about your professor. It's more about you than Edgar Allan Poe. Because you're forming something that hasn't been written before or has been written before and you're doing it in such a different way. Maybe a different slant or a, a humorous way. Or, or catching some things that somebody else hasn't caught before. So you're taking you're taking that theme and, and you're making a variation on it. So therefore it has a freshness to it. Even if it isn't entirely new or original. That's what you're doing. So it's extremely important, I feel, you know, that to understand that uh, faith and, and who you are are the elements that you need to be able to bring to writing. You know, you can't get caught up in spell check and, and grammarly and, and, and spending a million dollars on some phony uh, editor for hire or messing with some, some crooked vanity press. No, it's all about faith. 
and all about hard work and drafting and rewriting and patience. It's all about that. Not easy things to preach to people who always seem to want to have a shortcut. But unfortunately, this is where I live with now. I mean, I, I have days where I wish I lived in a different century because sometimes the 21st century to me is disappointing that we have so much freedom in our lives, in our equipment, in our writing, and you still have people that just want to cut for the shortcut. You know? You know, they want to cry. I don't have enough money for stuff, but then they're spending all week at 7-Eleven. You want to have more money when you have a budget? Well, guess what? Don't shop at the gas station, okay? Go to the supermarket or go to the box store. These things are not complicated. You want to lose weight? Figure out the junk that you're eating. Eat better and go exercise. I know. Wow, that's boring, Mark. Wow, that's cliche. Guess what? That actually works. Why do you think they have all these things out here? Why do you think they have all these shortcuts for writers? Because they want your money. Because they already know that what you have to do is a long and hard road. They're just going to sell you some false hope and take your money. It's the same thing with the weight industry. Same thing with the weight loss industry. Same thing. None of that stuff works, folks. The only thing that works is for you to take a serious evaluation of how you're eating, figure out how to shop, and get stuff that's going to be proper from you. You know, observe time so you're not eating at 10 o'clock at night and you're wondering why I'm fat. Well, that's a bad idea eating that late. It's not going anywhere. Unless you're really on planning on running three miles about an hour after that. Then maybe you can get away with it. But otherwise, you got to exercise, you got to run, you got to do all these things. That's not a secret. I just gave you that for free, folks. You don't have to give me $1,000, all right? You don't have to buy my pre-prepared uh, uh, phony meals that, that, that really taste like cardboard, but they just put a bunch of spices in it and make it taste something. It, yeah, you're going to lose some weight for a little while. You know, but everything on a shortcut is temporary, folks. The real deal is looking in yourself because yourself is unique compared to somebody else. That's where you're going to get your first material from. That's where your first faith is going to come from. That's where you're going to maintain your faith. That's where you're going to stand apart from somebody else. I know we're in this whole habit these days of we got to be united. Yeah, on some things we do. On other things, I don't need to be united with you. I got to be me. I can't be Mark if I'm trying to be Matthew, okay? You can't be Laura if you're trying to be Jennifer. It's just that simple. It's what we put onto ourselves that often mess things up. The wrong, the silly. And, and this, this is what does it to us. I got a show coming up here in, in July. We're going to do one on, on shame and guilt. You'd be shocked at how many writers have these problems. And they shouldn't have them, but they do. And they wonder why it hurts their writing or it shades it in a certain fashion. That's the reason why. We'll, we'll talk about that on that other show that is coming up, okay? All right. And and thank you for this. Uh, we have uh, we had a show on, on, on Vlaslav Havel, um, uh, incredible uh, playwright, um, uh, amazing dissonant that literally changed his country and the world, uh, especially with his uh, essay, A Power of the Powerless, uh, wound up becoming the president of... Uh, the Czech Republic, and then later on the, the president of the um, of Czechoslovakia. So the Czechoslovakia and then Czech Republic. So he's literally president of two countries. And helped a country that broke away so they didn't have any violence or civil war and, and did it, helped it do it in a peaceful manner. So I had a couple questions on that. All right, first one. <laughs> Sir, I am impressed that you even said his name correctly. Lots of people do not do that. Yes, thank you, I... Uh, was working on that, okay? 
I, I also appreciate you brought the other viewpoint of Mr. Havel that in many instances he was more of a hero to the world than to people of, of Czechoslovakia. Now, I, I, I try to help paraphrase some of, these, some of these questions. He went on a lot longer in the paragraph, like literally, and I'm not going to read that. That's too much, okay? But really what he's trying to say in, in context to, to help for him to understand is that, and I mentioned this on the show too, um, many a times we forget that people who are heroic from the outside are us looking from far away, whether we're looking from America and we're looking from France or looking from Canada or whatever, they might seem incredible, but oftentimes in, in their own countries, there might have been questions about them. There might have been issues about them. They might People might have been slapping over their backs and saying, wow, how fabulous he was. And I don't mean that there's something wrong with that person, like he's a criminal or doing something horrible. It just means that they might not have had the same enthusiasm for him as we have elsewhere. Uh, Nelson Mandela faced that in South Africa. You don't hear that in the news reports or even books. They spent so much time praising him. And don't get me wrong, he deserved all the praise. But when we make people into icons and forget that they're humans, we miss a lot of things. We, let, we miss other people's perspectives. We miss other things they said and they've done. You know, a, a lot of people didn't feel that, you know, the, the presidency of, of Nelson Mandela added up much to anything. And, and didn't really set the, the country on the right course other than, you know, a man of color was the president. But other than that, they don't feel like he did very much to really put it in the right motion. I'm not, I'm not here to, to put him down or defend him, but that's what a lot of people had felt. And, and unfortunately, Havel was the same way. A lot of people in Czechoslovakia did not like him that he stepped down and resigned rather than, than, than be part of a, a new government because he didn't like that the, the Slovaks wanted to break away and, and create their own country. Some of them felt that he uh, could have, in many ways, sped up a civil war rather than trying to uh, avoid it. But he had his own reasons for doing that, whether people liked him or not, that's, that's to say. But hey, it's, I feel it's good to see that people that are heroes that also make mistakes. Remember, we forget, and I don't know why we do forget, because it's in history, it's not like it's been hidden someplace, that the Civil War in America with Abraham Lincoln in charge probably would have been wrapped up in two years instead of four. And the reason why it went so long is because Lincoln kept putting these nice guy generals that didn't really want to fight. They just didn't believe the war was going to go that long. They thought if they show a little bit of force, they show some strength in numbers. You know what I mean? They, a lot of the people on the other side, they went to with West Point Academy, so they're all friends. You'd be shocked at how many people were friends across the two sides of that war. It'll be okay. They didn't do very much. I'm sorry, Mr. President. I just didn't feel that my men could engage them. It didn't seem like it was the proper time. What the hell? It's a war. That's what happened. He kept putting in these losers. That's the only way you can call them. And unfortunately, guess who loses in the end? Not these generals. The people who have to fight, they all die. Thousands upon thousands that didn't have to die. Who did he pick in the end? Hey, he picked the rough guy. The guy that likes to drink. The guy that doesn't go to church. The guy that curses a lot. The guy that thinks that prostitutes are cool. Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> the man who said, I believe in total war. That's the only way to wrap this up. And his approach is the way the war ended. You could say uh, all you want how a messed up, brutal, imperfect guy he was. Oh yeah, that's all true. 
but he ended the damn thing finally. And believe it or not, the way he ended it helped Lincoln to free the slaves, helped end the war, and helped literally save thousands of more lives that would have been lost with a, with a, with a, with a general that just didn't see how to get this thing done. So you see the imperfections in that guy, and you see the things that are, that are necessary. So uh, I know we did the same thing with Martin Luther King, too, and people getting mad about that. You cannot make people, especially modern-day people, into saints because they're not. They're not supposed to be either, okay? We should admire them more because they're human. And because they're human, they still rose up to be somebody that's spiritually and, and politically important like Martin Luther King or somebody like Havel the same way. You go from, from a guy that's being tortured in jail because he wrote a play. Remember, we talked about that before in this show, okay? That's what he did. Wrote a play. Oh, my God, he wrote a play. we got to put him in jail. He doesn't like our system of government. No, I don't. Why would I like that? You took away my family's restaurant. You, you, you turned the whole country into communism. We can't even talk about art. All i got to talk about is your weird stuff. No, I'm, why would I want that? We've well, got to put him in jail, of course. And that's what happens with these situations. We need to remember how human we are. That's how we get admiration. That's how we have respect in people. Otherwise, you make people into superheroes, you know? Something told me the other day, and I disagreed with them, but I understand what they said. Hey, Mark, we got a lot of these Marvel superheroes like Iron Man and, you know, Batman and Superman. The reason why we got this stuff is it's a projection of our... Uh, of our wanting to have heroes in our life because we don't have too many heroes in our lives. Well, I, I say that's a bunch of baloney. We have a lot of heroes. We have all kinds of heroes in writing. We have all kinds of heroes in history. They're not. They're all over the place. Every time uh, a, a, a woman who doesn't have a husband to help her, who's raising that child by herself, has got to figure out how to pay the bills and raise the kid so he doesn't become bad and maybe get into college and still have some kind of a happy life for herself. Well, there's a hero right there. We got plenty of those people. But that's not sexy. That's not interesting. Now, they got to have laser beams coming out of their butts and shooting rockets out of, out of, out of their eyes or something. That's what we need. We, who says we need any of that crap? Most of those people are vigilantes anyway. Last I checked, vigilantes are not very helpful in society. That's why we have police. Okay? And don't get me on taking them away because... That'll be another show, <laughs> but I'm not really I'm not really fond of all this sort of stuff. There are plenty of heroes in our own lives, you know. We, I, I remember we just had a guy; he just died recently. He's undergoing chemo, and I don't know his personal life and story. I don't even know all medically that he's done. It's some a second hand that one of the people who worked there told me he's under chemo. It's not looking good, okay. And the reason I asked is because. He, he wheeled his wheelchair from his assisted living place across the street to the, for the, to the public park. He parked there every morning from 9, no, excuse me, from 8 to 9 in the morning with a sign that he made up himself, think about the good day, and wave to everybody. That's all he would do, to try to cheer you up. The man is pretty much dying of cancer. You know, old as heck. He's definitely a veteran because he had a little army symbol on the side there. And, and he's trying to cheer me up. It's mostly parents dropping kids from school, you know, running errands, you know, stuff like that. All the things that, you know, they don't exactly make you the most happy, but you got to do them and they're important in life still. You know, it's like laundry. Who the hell likes to do laundry? But if you don't, 
you're going to walk around with dirty clothes and smelling and you're not going to have much of a love life or, or uh, anything else for that matter. He's trying to make me happy. I'm, I'm saying to myself, who the hell's making him happy? I don't know. I could never really, in the, in the traffic, stop over there to say something to him. Never. It's one of the things you regret when these, when these things happen. Because you want to find out. You want to know. You know? One day he didn't come around anymore. And then I found that he died. And then somebody would have put a little sign up there. We put some, I finally got a chance to stop and put some flowers. And first thing I said to myself is, that's great. I'm stopping to put flowers when he's dead. I wish I would just stop and talk to him when he was still alive. You know? I, like everybody else, you know, I can be a jerk, I guess. And not realizing, I'm taking things for granted. But I still wanted to recount that to you because it, it's on my mind. Uh, there's somebody who made the sacrifice of his day, of his temperament, of his mindset, of his health to try to cheer me up and to try to cheer all these other people up for an hour. So it's, I think it's pretty incredible. We have lots of people like that out there. Those are the heroes. So, you know, if you want to be cynical, well, you, you're being silly. And in many ways, you're being stupid. You're certainly being blind because the heroes are all around us. From the fireman that grabs the baby out of the burning building to the cop that gets shot to make sure that you don't get shot. To the old man trying to cheer you up or the single woman trying to raise her, her baby and she's not always sure if she's going to be able to make the bills or not. Those are our heroes. Those are the people we need to be writing about. Those are the people we need to be praising. Those are the people we need to be thinking about. Those are the people we need to be able to take some comfort that the world isn't going to end so soon. The world isn't so crappy because we got people like that still in the world. Okay? I don't need Iron Man. <laughs> I, I really don't. I think I need about 25,000 more of those old guys over there. Because in his days of dying, he was more positive and, and, and more constructive than most of us do you know, in a lifetime. We need to be more like him. Not like Iron Man. <laughs> Alright folks, God bless. It's another show here. That was episode 209. Okay, uh, mailbag number eight, writing as personal, or more like writing is personal. Uh, a little, little uh, recap over here on what we're going to be doing in August. I'm, I'm going to be diverting uh, some of the episodes in the show to a new global show I'm doing called MindSpeak. I'm going to be talking more about some global issues, not necessarily in a political way, sometimes just in a, a cultural or a global way, maybe even just in a common sense way. We'll talk about a number of things I'll be finding interesting. I'm really aiming it at a different audience. Does not mean that those that are in literary are not invited? They are, but pretty much only the people who subscribe to the show that they're going to see that. They're not going to, you know, unless they want to go out and listen to it. So I said you're invited, but it's not really aimed for you. It's not literary at all. I wanted to do something different, and I'm happy with the show. I'm happy with the literary stuff. I love writing. I love writers. I always have. always will. But I'm going to do less of those shows and then do some more of those other shows and have a, have a decent balance of, uh, of something new and, and something I want to continue to do, and, and, and I'm happy with that. So I hope you'll be happy for me and maybe check that out if, you know, and give it, give it a try and, and see what you got, okay? All right, folks, until next time, you take care. Thank you very much for your support and all the emails and the comments I get. Some of them I can't broadcast, not because they're bad, just because some of them can be in, in their own right very personal, and I, I, I definitely appreciate that. And I'd like to hear what people have to say, 
not only about the show, but about writing in general. All right, folks, you take care and thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.